I was walking through the halls of a Minnesota rink When along came a wild fan who started talking smack to me He said, I bet you never liked the blues until they won a cup and So I calmly turned to him and said, hey man, listen up I admit it's pretty great to win Lord Stanley's prize But listen, I've been waiting for this moment my whole life Yes sir, I'm a blues fan, yes sir, I'm a blues fan Heartbreak's all I knew, man, that team from old St. Lou, man Got a cup in here, 52, man, give me a let's go blues I know Oshie, Backus, Berglund, J-Bo, Perron, Petro, Steiner, Allen, Tarasenko, Gunnarsson, Bennington, Edmund, Shen, Stastny, Elliott, Fabry, Shattenkirk, O'Reilly, Schwartz, Reeves, Yarrow, Barbershop, Aranko, Dunn, Langer, Bruner, Aportuzo, Kola, Yakovo. Yes, sir, I'm a blues fan. Yes, sir, I'm a blues fan. Heartbreak's all I knew, man. A team from old St. Lou, man. Got a cup in here, 52, man. So give me a we went blue. <laughs> And now, the starting lineup for your Blue Notes podcast. Tom Franklin and the man called Wags. Thank you, Tom Calhoun, and welcome to Blue Notes. Your home for... How's the intro go again? It's been a while since we did this, Wags. Uh, mm, uh, you know what? I'm Tom Franklin. He's Wags. We're Blue Notes. We're keeping it simple in the new year. It's 2021. I seriously, I swear, it's been so long <laughs> since we've done this. I blanked on our intro. Um, I'm also imbibing tonight, so, you know, a little bit of uh, white Irish Russian action there. But, uh, yeah, we are located on the best city on the Mississippi, the best in the Midwest. We got that Stanley Cup power. Too sweet to be sour. You're still clueless. We're talking about St. Louis. This is your home for St. Louis Blues coverage on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Tom. He's Wags. We come through in the clutch. What's going on, Wags? How's your holidays? Oh, it's going great, man. I still get goosebumps hearing Tom uh, Calhoun call out our names. Uh, that, that threw me for a loop and blanked me a little bit, too, so I completely understand that. Uh, I'm, I'm ready for a new year. I'm ready for hockey to come back here in the next couple weeks. I'm, I'm just ready to get back to normal, and I think by January 13th, we're going to be a lot closer to that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And yes, and it still gives me chills, by the way, that we have Tom Calhoun introducing us every episode here. So I think that's why my mind just went bloop, blink, just went off here for the new year. Um, I want to thank you all for watching on YouTube and Facebook. If you're watching on Sunday night, if you're watching live, drop us a comment and become a part of the show and uh, uh, drop us a comment. And if you're watching on YouTube, ring that bell like this one here. Ding! And likes and subscriptions also help us grow and bring in more Blues fans like you. Yeah, and for those listening to the audio podcast, we have switched providers. We're now on Megaphone, which means, well, well, it, it shouldn't mean anything for you. You can still get us on Google, Spotify, Apple. And speaking of that, please drop us a review because that will also help us grow immensely. That's right. Reviews uh, help out. And of course, just telling, telling your friends about this. We want to have more Blues fans like you along for the ride here on Blue Notes. And you mentioned growth, Wags. I expect us to grow quite a bit because we'll have actual hockey to talk about on blue notes we're not just gonna talk about this mythical game that we watched you know uh, in in recent years that was taken away from us because of covid no it's coming back it's coming back january 13th and of course 
because we're St. Louis and because we have the audacity to live and fly over country, the Blues will play Colorado on opening night, and it's a 9.30 p.m. Central's time starts. Um, yeah, I'm not a fan, Wags. Yeah, I mean, I get it. It's because NBC wants to, you know, showcase, you know, the Blues and Avalanche and the other two games are Eastern Conference teams. And it, it makes sense why they put us there. And I love the fact that we get to be a part of opening night. But yeah, 930 start time. I usually open on Thursdays. I, I, I'm either going to be ridiculously tired or go to bed early, and I already know I'm going to be ridiculously tired. So, well, well, look, some of my best hockey memories, you know, was the Stanley Cup run in 2019, and you know, with my schedule at work, I can't tell you how many times I just overnighted it, you know, and and went uh, at least 24 hours without sleep. Ooh. When the Blues, but when the Blues are chasing their first Stanley Cup, and it's a realistic shot at getting their Stanley Cup, you know, as, as Pat Maroon said, we 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 sleep in July. Yeah. We sleep in I, July. I, I, I and I got I definitely got plenty of sleep in July. <laughs> um guy chiming in telling us that we suck. So that's that that's a fond hello to from the new year from the Hawaii Blues fan. Actually, he's kidding. He he says he loves us both. So we love you too, guy. And of course, you know, it's it, it is blue note, so we will still have our Aloha commentary with Guy coming up a little later on in the show. He's got a few things to talk about, including his uh, chance to chat with the one, the only holy jumping Darren Payne. He uh, dropped that interview last week, and uh, he'll uh, provide us with a clip from that. So uh, check that out a little later on in the show. It was a really good, fun chat with, between him and Darren Panger. Uh, hopefully, we can get Darren on our show at some point. Keep him, we're keeping to work on it. We're keeping working on it. I think I think Guy knows the Jedi mind trick, and he's able to uh, convince these uh, celebrities to uh, get on his show. You know, so we're we're working on it, of course. During the break, we uh, he allowed me to tag in for our Scott Warman interview, which you can check that out. That was episode number eight, the one immediately preceding this. So uh, you can check that out. Of course, coming up later this episode, we will try, keyword try, to forecast who wins the West Division this year. Uh, Guy the Wyatt Blues fan and Luke Whitman have also made their picks. Uh, we'll uh, go over those. That's coming up after Guy takes us down to the beach for another Aloha commentary and I warn you in advance, don't actually place any wagers on our predictions because we don't we don't know any more than you do how this is all going to work out. This is uncharted territory here. A season opener on January 13th. Come on. Come on. But come on, we're supposed to be experts, right? Uh, yeah, follow our advice. Come on. Yeah, yeah. What 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 he said. What 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 Wax said. Um, all right, so let's go ahead and get down to uh, some news that has happened uh, during the holiday break. Of course, uh, since we last joined you, uh, the Blues have signed Mike Hoffman to a PTO with the eventual contract probably coming. I'm, I think it's 99.9% sure it's going to happen, but knowing the Blues, some team will swoop in and sign Hoffman out of our, to right under our feet. No, I don't think it's going to happen. I think Everything in is is it sounds like they have a deal in place. Hoffman wanted to be in St. Louis, and according to I think it was Rutherford, uh, took less money to play in St. Louis. So feather in the cap for uh, St. Louis Blues fans. Um, now, of course, the initial reaction to Mike Hoffman's news here in St. Louis is that he signed a PTO, which a guy with his pedigree. Everyone in the hockey Twitter community was like all 
questioning like a PTO. What Hoffman sign a PTO? I mean, what is this? You don't sign a guy like Hoffman to a PTO. Well, you do when you're the Blues and you have cap problems. And um, and as uh, as we uh, you know kind of learned, you know, I got to learn a lot about LTIR and how that works. You know, just in the past couple of weeks, Wags. But uh, as we learned, this is all uh, cap gymnastics. Hoffman will be a blue. Yeah, and you know the only bad thing that could possibly happen, and we we've talked about this on past shows, is the Blues may end up losing first round draft picks. That's just our luck, you know. Somehow or another, we're gonna have to send first round draft picks to like the Devils for signing Mike Hoffman because that's just the mo for for the Blues when it comes to that. But yeah, you talk about cap gymnastics with Steen retiring, Tarasenko going LTIR. There's gonna be some money to play with. And like you said, he's going to sign for a little bit less, which that was a shock to me because Hoffman struck me as a guy that was going to take top dollar. But it's changing my mindset of Mike Hoffman that he would take less to come play with the Blues and do it on a PTO. Now, it, it, granted, it looked like a PTO was probably going to be the route he was going to go with the, the flat cap and teams not really knowing what they what they have. But the fact that he's taking less to try and sign with the Blues, I, I applaud Mike Hoffman and once again, well done, Doug Armstrong. Yeah, well done, Doug Armstrong. This is another genius move by him. Uh, guy pointing out that it's probably going to be about three and a half to four and a half million dollars what he signs for. We'll talk a little bit about that later on. Uh, by the way, uh, more comments coming in here. Uh, first from Tim Goodman, going back to our chat about the 930 start time. St. Louis always has top five TV ratings and the NHL knows it. But sadly, they don't care about our feelings on start time because we'll watch anyway. He's got a point there, Wags. We'll still watch. I, oh, I don't yeah. care. I mean, if they started, I mean, Gerard, the Dutch Blues fan, we have no right to bitch about starting times because Gerard, the Dutch Blues fan, has to get up at four o'clock in the morning to watch Blues hockey. And yeah. he does it without he, complaint. He loves it. And it's not just us staying up and watching Blues games at any time of the night. You, you know, we're like top five when the Stanley Cup's on and the Blues aren't even in it. That, that's how much fans in St. Louis care about the game of hockey itself. So, yeah, the passion is there. It's just a shame that the NHL can take advantage of the Blues and their fans because, you know, we're not going to make a big stink about it outside of Twitter. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, more activity in the comments. A uh, guy tells us that if we're nice, he might help us out in the future, which we appreciate that, even though he told us we sucked just a couple minutes ago. But hey, he's wearing it's red. All good. He's be like the uh, the Santa Claus of the podcasting world, right? He could. He could. And speaking of red, um, you know, he's uh, we have another guy that's taking guys advice about being nice. Literally, uh, Tim comes in and says, hey, Guy Bensing, that red jersey is beautiful. So it Tim, is. my my friend Tim, sucking up to the Hawaii Blues fan already, just un un, un crazy behavior. Uh, <laughs> this guy used to be my neighbor, you know, like my literally my next door neighbor. So he's he's already betrayed me. Terrible. Oh, that's terrible. Terrible, <laughs> terrible. But anyway, uh, yes. In, in case you haven't listened to Blue Notes before, I have made it very clear my disdain for the red reverse retro. But and I won't do that here. We have other business to uh, take care of here. So. Uh, as I learned after Steen retired, uh, getting back to the the Hoffman signing, the world of LTR is a bit of a complicated one. Uh, basically, the money doesn't go off the cap, but rather it gives the Blues a cushion to go over the cap um, with Steen and maybe Tarasenko on LTIR. Now, that's a simplistic explanation of it. There is some timing issues with LTIR and when the Blues can officially put Steen and Tarasenko on LTR 
and how much money that they can get, you know, as cushion. Now, the Blues, if they do this right, they might not have to put Tarasenko on LTIR. And that's and that's something that we can we can actually talk about right now, because, you know, Tarasenko, as we know, Wags is a gamer. He is a guy that uh, doesn't like sitting out. He's he's a very competitive personality. And even though he's had his third shoulder surgery, you know Tarasenko is chomping at the bit to come back as soon as he can. I personally, I would not be sad if Tarasenko took the year off so that we, when he comes back in 2021, 22, when things are hopefully normal again or normal-ish again, uh, he's 110% sure that shoulder is is taken care of. Because after three surgeries, I feel fans have a bit of a right to be a little bit concerned about him going forward. What do you think? Oh, yeah, no question. I mean, after one shoulder surgery, people are like, but you talk about three. And the fact that the last one was supposed to be the one that got it done and it didn't. Yeah, it puts a little bit of worry in, in your mind and in your heart. Uh, that Tarasenko is not going to be the guy that he was, and and he isn't going to be the guy that he was. He's still going to be a damn good player, but the, the execution, the, the snap isn't going to be there like it was in the past. But to your point, just look what his comments were after Ryan O'Reilly was named captain. And and I read that article. I did not take that as a slight against Ryan O'Reilly by Tarasenko. No. That no. was more of Tarasenko look like, I want to be the guy. I want to be, whether I'm on the ice or not, I want to be the guy. And that passion and that drive right there tells me that, yeah, I'm in the same boat as you. I think he's going to come back probably sooner than than we think. And I'm okay with that because I really just want to see him get back out on the ice. I, yeah, 110% would be great, but yeah. he, we thought he was 100% going into the bubble and he wasn't. So right. what's another 10% going to do? I, I want Tarasenko to get out there and and just become a badass again. And this is yeah exactly, and I think he needs time to rest, and he needs he needs time for that shoulder to you know fully get healed. I I just and not only that, but it's like we saw last year what happened when Tarasenko came back, and the Blues expected him. Oh great, we got Tarasenko back. He's gonna you know he's he's gonna give us that extra push you know in the playoffs, and it just wasn't there, and it just kind of felt like the team kind of you know caved in on itself around him. Maybe not maybe not because of Tarasenko. But it just it, it was very deflating when you when you heard Tarasenko was going under the knife again. And it was very deflating when you watched him play and you could tell something wasn't right with him. You know, he looked very slow. He didn't uh, he looked kind of timid, you know, uh, at, at times out there. And so, yeah, we just want to make sure Tarasenko's back. And this is why you bring in a guy like Hoffman to re- essentially replace the, that offensive punch that, you know, Tarasenko offers. Now, I don't think it's quite a one-for-one replacement, you know, with Hoffman and Tarasenko. I mean, it definitely Tarasenko's on another level, you know, because one thing we know about, you know, I've been reading up about Hoffman is that he's a guy that's a tremendous sniper. The guy can snipe it from anywhere in the offensive zone. Lethal, not a playmaker, not a defender. And so those are two elements you're, you're missing out with Hoffman here. Um, but, you know, and it also kind of beyond going beyond Tarasenko, it feels to me like the signing of Hoffman um, is it, it kind of signals that maybe Coach Bruby and company didn't have faith 
that Jordan Cairo or Clem Costin could fill that role yet. And really, when you're a team like the Blues Wags, you can't afford to take that chance. No, you can't. You you have to know what you have. And with the short camp, no preseason games, you know, a, a younger guy is not going to steal the spotlight. And going back to you know defensively for Mike Hoffman, yeah, he's not been a great two way player. Yes, his possession and Corsi numbers are higher than you would expect from a guy that doesn't play very good defense. But you also have to remember that. He played on an Ottawa and a Florida team that were not very good. Yes. Uh, and you also have to look at guys like Ryan O'Reilly and Braden Shen. Both of those guys had very, very high negative plus minus numbers in their times in Philadelphia and Buffalo. And all of a sudden you got a Selkie winner and you've got a guy in Braden Shen who p- potentially could be a Selkie winner. All of a sudden their defense has become great here in St. Louis. So p- putting him on a line with, with O'Reilly and Shen possibly that might actually make Hoffman better and playing on a better team may also inspire him to play some defense as well. Cause I know fully well playing on some bad hockey teams myself, when you're a bad team, you don't give a crap about playing defense. You just want to go out there and score some goals. So he plays on a team that has a team system, a structure that plays defense, that wins, that spreads the puck around in the offense around. You might see a different Mike Hoffman than you're expecting. And that might be a really good thing. Yeah, and you bring up a good point, you know, with him playing on some bad teams in Ottawa and Florida, you know, you know, it's been mentioned that he took less money to come to St. Louis, or I guess he will take less money to come to St. Louis when he signs. Um, he hasn't played for a real winner in his career. I mean, Florida's shown flashes, but really it's been kind of tough sledding for Hoffman. And so this is his chance to, you know, go on a legit cup contender in the St. Louis Blues, even though they face a tall task in the West Division. We'll get to our predictions on that a little bit later on. But um, yeah, Hoffman is someone that I think uh, um, some of his weaknesses can be mitigated depending on where you place him. And, you know, not only because because, again, the analyst community often will point out and say, well, he offers nothing on defense. That's fine. Not every forward has to be a two way Selkie contender. OK, if we if the Blues had 12 Ryan O'Reilly's, that'd be fantastic. But guess what? There aren't 12 Ryan O'Reilly's out there in hockey. So you have to, you know, accentuate your positives and try to mitigate the negatives um, on a team like the Blues. Hoffman could be a weapon. Uh, take this note from last word on hockey's Aiden Benson. Quote, while Hoffman has always posted positive possession numbers, this can be attributed to his usage rather than two-way ability. Hoffman has started 58% of his career shifts in the offensive zone, which will help anybody's possession numbers. Because of his generous usage, Hoffman consistently posts better Corsi numbers than his teammates. Hoffman's career Corsi relative to his teammates is a positive 2.9%, end quote. So we know Hoffman is an offensive weapon, and that's how he needs to be deployed. Now, the question is, where does Hoffman play? Now, when I was compiling notes for this episode, one theory I had, I think the most popular theory is, oh, you just put him next to Ryan O'Reilly, who's a strong defensive center and a leader, and David Perron, who's a dynamic player in his own right, and that could be a really lethal line. But, again, O'Reilly starts a lot of his shifts in the defensive zone because he is such a strong face-off guy the question comes, do you want Hoffman with O'Reilly, you know, in in that type of scenario, or would you rather see him with Schwartz or Shen? What are your thoughts? Oh, I mean, that's a tough one. I mean, the fact that O'Reilly wins so many faceoffs and, and that's why they have him in that spot, I'm actually okay with putting Hoffman out there because if you think about it, if you get a lineup there with O'Reilly, Hoffman, Perron, and then you have Colton Pareko in the back end there, 
O'Reilly wins the faceoff. Hoffman bolts for the offensive zone. Pareko gives you a Pronger-esque, a Pronger-esque pass. All of a sudden, mm-hmm. you got Hoffman in on the breakaway. I take that over anything else in a heartbeat. Fair. And I, I just think that that's probably the best way to go and what they are going to go with. He's going to get a lot of offensive opportunities, a lot of offensive zone time. Yeah. Uh, but because you have such a good faceoff guy and defender in Ryan O'Reilly, I'm okay with the the risk that it would take to have Hoffman out there on a defensive zone faceoff. But, you know, maybe it's one of those things that they, they send O'Reilly out there with a different line, and as soon as they win the faceoff and clear the zone, then they get Hoffman out there. That makes sense as well. You yeah. see that happen a lot on a lot of different teams. So it's, it's probably going to be a little bit of both, depending on the line they're going up against and the situation. You're probably going to see a little bit of both that, but I don't think they break that up. Yeah, you're right. And Baruby is a guy that, you know, we've I've I've seen him like in game like shuffle up his lines, you know, completely. So he's 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 a guy that's not afraid to experiment, you know, with his lineup and maybe try to deploy some of those tactics like that. So it would not shock me if if Ruby uh, tries to do that. I mean, he he gets so much credit for being a player's coach, but he also uh, lets the analytics side of the blues, you know, kind of, you know, help guide him and, you know, and telling him where he needs to go. So a uh, good example of that, you know, kind of balance between being a player's guy and an analytics guy, um, the blues and uh, Craig Ruby have. Um, so now if Hoffman goes with O'Reilly and Perron, this leaves Robert Thomas to uh, slot in between Jaden Schwartz and Braden Shen, ideally. And I say ideally because, Chief himself came out and said that Thomas will probably be in a top six role as a center, and that's his to take. So it sounds like Bruby wants Thomas to be a center, and I don't think he's going to center Ryan o- O'Reilly and Perron because O'Reilly is such a great faceoff guy. So you put him with Jaden Schwartz and Braden Shen in that scenario. I'm excited to see what Tarasenko could do with Schwartz and Shen on his sides. Oh, you mean Thomas? Yeah, Thomas yeah. definitely. Oh, Thomas, yeah. I know. I'd love to see Terry Saker out there too. Uh, yeah, but, I know. I but know. but you're, you're totally right. I mean, what he showed a in the playoff run, uh, the Stanley cup run in 2019 was one thing, but last year in what you thought was going to be a bit of a sophomore slump, he came out there and just played as well as he did the year before. And you could see the maturity, you could see the growth and you could see the willingness to learn and get into the dirty areas as well. And that's the thing. He still needs to learn to get rid of the puck a little bit sooner or take a shot. I think that was the one thing last year that you looked at at Robert Thomas and you're like, shoot, you have the opportunities, shoot. And I think pairing him with, with Schwartz and Shen, uh, would be very, very good for him because he's got playmakers on both sides, but he also has finishers on both sides as well. So they can really play off of each other really well. And if you go back to the early days of NHL, you know, you put three playmakers on a line, all of a sudden that line's ranking is pretty high up there. I, I like it. I'm, I'm so damn excited. I mean, there's a reason why I got my retro jersey with Thomas on the back, why you've got Same. Thomas on the back of yours as well. This guy is going to be, incredibly exciting and i say guy and he's like 10 years younger than me yeah exactly is he is he can he drink now is he now is he now no <laughs> i think he's still 20 if i'm not mistaken I unless i'm missing is. a missing a birthday so uh uh shout out to you robert thomas this this drinks for you because you can't legally have one yet no um, no he's 21 he turned 21 july all right. 2nd so Sal- bottoms up man salute salute robert thomas but yeah you, you another good point there wags is that Thomas is a guy that we have been begging to shoot more and more. 
I mean, he's a natural playmaker. You can see that in his game. You know, he's got fantastic hands and he's got really good vision. And that that's his that's going to be his default. And there's nothing wrong with being a uh, pass first, shoot second guy. I mean, Joe Thornton's made a career out of that, you know, in, in San Jose. And now he's going to be in Toronto for the twilight of his career. Um, but Thomas could definitely stand to shoot a lot more. He's got a good shot. He's got a good wrister. He's got a good slap. Uh, I haven't really seen him crank out the slapper very much, but, you know, he's got a good wrister. And I and I think maybe being on a line where there is no real sniper on that line, I mean, Shen probably would be the closest one, but even he's more of an all-arounder, as you said, might encourage Thomas to shoot the puck more. And we could see, we could see Thomas have a real breakout year, I think. Well, and the big thing that you have to look at with this is, uh, you know, he's going to be a 21-year-old, third year in the league, and he's going to be playing one of the most demanding positions in hockey because it's yep. not just about the offense. You know, as a center, you have to be – you have to play a 180, 200-foot game because you have to be in the offensive and defensive zones because there's so much coverage that you have to worry about. And the fact that Coach Berube is so high on him being a top-six center – that just tells you that the sky is the limit for this kid because they're putting so much trust in a 21-year-old to play center in a tough – well, at the time, it was a tough division when you're talking about the Central. In the West, you got Colorado and Vegas, obviously, but it's still tough to put a kid that young. You know, you look at a guy like Sidney Crosby. He did that, yes, but he's Sidney Crosby. Yes. You don't see a lot of 20, 21, 22-year-olds in that center position as a top six forward nope. and having all that responsibility foisted upon them. Yeah, exactly. And it's going to be interesting, interesting to see how Thomas handles that. I mean, by all accounts, you know, he's, he, he's got a really good makeup. You know, he's, you know, got, you know, I remember when he was drafted, one of the his biggest assets was that he was a really good leader, you know, so he's got a good head for the game. And I think, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see what he does with an expanded role. Speaking of youngsters that could probably use an expanded role on defense, one of the biggest questions of the offseason has been answered this past week. Vince Dunn has re-signed for one year at $1.85 million. First of all, Wags, that's a lot cheaper than I thought he would have gone for. I was pegging him for like about two and a half. Yeah, I mean, it's it's still two and a half times more than his cap hit from last year, but to be at under $2 million with the cap struggles that this team has, that's a pretty damn good number for the Blues right there. And you know, pairing that with, uh, with Mike Hoffman's potential contract, they're going to eat up all of Steen's salary from the LTIR, but they're only going to eat up a little bit of the Vladimir Tarasenko one. So it's actually another shrewd move by Doug Armstrong. And I don't know if it was because there was a lack of interest in a guy like Vince Dunn, the fact that he had no leverage because he wasn't arbitration eligible. I, I don't know what the case was and why it was settled this way, but kudos to them for getting it done. I, I was reading an article today, Kevin LeBlanc, uh, LeBlanc or LeBanc from San Jose kind of signed a similar deal couple seasons ago with San Jose and then it turned into a four-year 16 million dollar contract so that's probably something along the lines of what you're going to expect to see Dunn get next year if he has a good season and that's the question where does he play at and can he maintain a level that's going to give him the ability to sign a decent contract next year and that's a good question and you know you, 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 I, that kind of leads me to my next point here and that is you know he's been kind of protected in his time as a blue, I mean, he hasn't played against a lot of, you know, quality of competition. Uh, Jay Fresh, uh, of course, we've had him on uh, the podcast before. He makes makes that makes that a big point with Dunn is that while his analytics are, he's an analytics darling. You know, everyone loves him for his for his analytics numbers. He doesn't play against top competition. 
And I think it might be time for him to step up, especially if he wants that Kevin LeBanc contract, you know, where he gets, you know, three, four, five, you know, I don't think five, three or four million dollars, you know, per year going forward. Um, you know, and with Petro gone, I think Dunn is the guy that might be asked to shoulder a lot more of the offensive punch going forward. But he it's kind of hard to do that when you're a third pairing guy. So, you know, I think it's time he, he got a chance to show us how he does against tougher competition. How that's done, no pun intended, I'm not sure because, um, you know, I think you're probably going to start off with Krug and Pareko as as the top pairing. Um, I don't think you pay a guy like Krug that much to, you know, and, and kind of, you know, have him take over the Petro void, if you will and just making him a second-line guy. They could because he and Justin Falk had good chemistry playing for Team Canada years back, but they both have their defensive issues, as we've pointed out. Dunn has his defensive issues, so you don't want necessarily want Dunn with Falk. So what do you do with Dunn this year, Wax? I mean, that's a great question because I don't – with it being such a condensed season, I don't know if you can run the risk of putting him out on the top line for a couple of weeks and seeing what you've got in him. Yeah, uh, but if you're asking him to step up, you, you almost have to because it's a one-year deal. You need to know what you've got in him, and continuing to throw him out there against third-pair lines, it, it's it's not going to show you much of anything. Uh, but once again, you go back to the you know you can't put you know Krug and, and Falk together, uh, even though they've had chemistry. I just don't think that's the route that they're going to go. Although you may see of it. I mean, we, I, I had Darren, uh, had Darren Pang. I had a guy on last night on our show, Crunch Time. And the clip he shared was was Darren Payne talking about the defense and how you you might see, you know, Krug and Falk playing a little bit together, but also Krug and Pareko playing together, and they might flip it up depending on the matchup. So I still think that Dunn's probably going to be that third-pairing defenseman, but I see them actually balancing the minutes a little bit more, and that's probably how you're going to see, you know, how you're going to be able to get more out of Dunn is by having these defenders have balanced minutes versus having your top pair out there X amount of times, second pair Y, and third pair Z, I think you're going to see a lot of it being at the same level. All these guys are going to have about 18 minutes or so of, of ice time. A, it's going to save them with the condensed season, and B, it's going to give these guys opportunities to show what they're made of and and help them maybe make decisions in the future about what these pairings are going to look like. Yeah, exactly. And maybe it's a, another situation like with Hoffman where, you know, you find some situational changes to make with them where, like, say, if the Blues have a face-off in the offensive zone and it's Scandell and Falk's turn, maybe you don't want Scandell in the offensive zone. You maybe want done there. You know, yeah. so maybe in that kind of a situation that could work. Because, again, you know, with, with Berube, you're, you're, ne- you're never going to get three pairings that are locked in for a full season. I mean, injuries happen. Chemistry, you know, has to be evaluated all the time. So I'm sure Dunn's going get to get, get looks with Pareko, with Falk, and with whoever is the sixth, seventh defenseman, whether it be Gunnarsson or Bertuzzo or Mikola. They have a lot of options there. So... It'll be interesting to see what they do with Dunn this year and how he steps up. I mean, he won't be able to get a lot of power play one minutes just because they have Tory Krug, who is like the better version of, you know, Vince Dunn. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what 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 becomes of Dunn this year. I think this is going to be a big year for him and uh, time for him to step up. Yeah, definitely. most definitely. And you talk about the power play. I, I, I'm just having 
bad, bad, bad dreams about how good this power play could be uh, this year. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, too bad Mark Savard's gone. You know, I mean, that's you know, he was. I think he was a big part of why the Blues were the number three power play in the NHL yeah. last year. But you didn't replace him with Chop Liver. You replaced him with Jim Montgomery, the former head coach of the Dallas Stars. I mean, who you know, I made the point to some of my last word on hockey friends that you know Montgomery just got handed the keys to a Lamborghini. Because I think Savard had this team at that power play running right. Uh, you you lose Petro, but you get Krug, and you might expect more things from Dunn this year and Falk for that matter. This is it's going to be that's going to be another story to follow this year is whether the St. Louis Blues power play can meet or even exceed what they did last year. And I think they got a good chance at that. Yep. All right. So now we got a new segment for the new year. It is simply called Notes That Are Blue. Some odds and ends that are around the blues and NHL that are colored in blue for our purposes. We couldn't call it blue notes because that's the name of our show. So it is notes that are blue. Uh, Costin staying with the KHL's Omsk Avangard in what's being reported uh, as work visa issues. Of course, our graphic for this shows uh, Dunn and Hoffman and then Costin's kind of ghosted with a question mark. Um, you know, so his future, I think a lot of blues fans are kind of questioning what, they're going to eventually get out of Costin when he makes the NHL. Keep in mind, he's only 21 years old, so he's still got some growing to do. But a positive with this is that he's still playing against adults in the KHL, and he seems to be getting regular playing time, which is good. But a negative is that he only has one goal in 24 games with Avangard and four assists, along with 30 penalty minutes. Um, he's probably going to be a guy that gets about 80 to 100 penalty minutes per year just because he's a bit of a goon. Um, but he's our goon, damn it. Um, at this point, though, it just it seems to me, Wags, he's kind of profiling more as like a bottom six banger and really nothing more. And that's kind of disappointing. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, for a first round pick uh, and a guy that had a lot of upside uh, and a lot of potential uh, to say a bottom six role is in his future. Yeah, it, it, it kind of hurts a little bit. But then then I look at it and I go, wait a second. How did we get him? Okay, we tried, we traded Ryan Reeves to the Pittsburgh Penguins for Oscar Sundquist and the pick that became Clem Costin. And then I sit there and go, wait a second. There was a bottom six forward that was a bit of a banger that did something pretty good for St. Louis. And that was a guy named Patrick Maroon. And now, now you're looking at it and you're going, wait, Clem Costin is a much better offensive opportunist than a Patrick Maroon. He has a big body and he likes to hit. All of a sudden, yes, it's a first round pick and it might be a bust in that ad- instance, but we may have a better version of Patrick Maroon in the bottom six for the Blues in the next couple of years. I'm okay with that. Yeah, I'm okay with that too. I mean, I, I, I think, I think I'd be perfectly fine with that. I mean, keep in mind he was a late first rounder, so it's not like, it, you know, it's not like you can expect that you're getting, you know, the next. Uh, um, oh, who's like a really good power for like a, like a Matthew Kachuk? I mean, you're you're not getting Matthew Kachuk here. Um, one thing Guy points out, uh, he suspects a rat here. If he had 20 points with uh, Avangard, he would not have a visa issue. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. I'm not going to go that far, but I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if he were producing a little bit more. Maybe he gets more consideration for the taxi squad. But I, I get the feeling that the team also kind of saw this as, hey, Costin has a chance to play regular minutes with adults. Um, AHL is kind of in flux right now with whether they'll even have a season or not. So 
I wouldn't have been surprised if they still decided anyway that, you know, his development would be better suited overseas. Um, and and the fact that he has visa issues, maybe it's just kind of a cop out. Yeah, it, it, a bit, it is a bit. And the fact that Hoffman's now here as well. And, and we talked to Guy about this last night as well. And it's not so much that it's a visa issue. It's more about how much the Blues are fighting to try and get that cleared up. If he had 20 points in 23 games, I think the Blues would be doing a little bit more working of the phones, Mm -hmm. whereas he has four points. They're like, get here when you get here. (laughs) (laughs) But like you said, he's playing with with adults. It is a less defensive league in the KHL, so I would expect it a little bit more as far as points are concerned. But to your point, with the AHL kind of being in flux, I want him to get regular minutes. And that's the yeah. same thing with guys like Torpchenko and Alex Androff that we're going to be talking about here in a little bit as well. Yeah, I don't think Austin's getting top six minutes with with Avangard at all. I think I think he's bottom six there as well. Uh, Tim could see the Blues wanting him to stay there until AHL camp starts. I, I agree with that. I think there might be a provision where, you know, if the Blues wanted to pull him, you know, from the KHL, I think they could. Um, as Guy points out, he was the number one rated European skater. Uh, but as we have found in, 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 in the past, you know, just because you're the number one European skater doesn't mean you're going to have a great NHL career. Uh, Patrick, uh, Patrick Stepan would probably, you know, agree with that, that sentiment. So there's, there, there can be some translation issues when it comes to coming from the European game over to the States. Um, speaking of, you know, two more, you know, European prospects, uh, Alexei Torpchenko and Nikita Alexandrov are staying abroad as well. Uh, Torpchenko will remain with the KHL's Kunlun Red Star, and Alexandrov will play with Cuckoo of Finland's Liga. That may, be my, that may be my new favorite team in Europe. Cuckoo. Cuckoo. <laughs> that is the greatest hockey team name ever. Cuckoo. All right. Uh, Torpchenko is, of course, he's faring better in the uh, KHL than Kostin is. He's uh, had six goals and two assists in 25 games with uh, Kuhn Loon. He played with San Antonio last season, had kind of a trying year there. Um, also uh, worth noting, Torpchenko also has 33 penalty minutes. So, uh, you know, he may be, you know, gooning it up a little bit like Kostin is. Alexandrov hasn't played yet for Cuckoo. Um, they sit eighth in the Liga, by the way. They're fighting for a playoff spot right now. I think that's a new assignment, so just, you know, give them some time. But, you know, I think that's another case here, Wags, you know, of giving these two guys a regular minutes against adults instead of, you know, having them just sit on the taxi squad and not get actual development time. Because these are two guys that need some maturing before they can be considered for uh, regular NHL minutes. Yeah, no question. You know, I saw Torpchenko in the rookie camp a couple of years ago, and I really liked what I saw when that was going on. I, I thought he was a bit bigger of a, a guy like Tarasenko. Uh, he had some good hands. Uh, he had a bigger body. He was actually filled out pretty well at that time as well. So the fact that he's now able to continue to gain muscle mass to what was already a pretty decent-sized body I'm very much looking forward to, and I've been riding this guy's you know, coattails in a sense for the last couple of years, <laughs> pushing him to be the next guy that comes up for the Blues. And, and you talk about Alexandrov as well. He was also a part of that rookie camp and, and looked pretty well as well. Um, yeah, it's, it's about getting playing time. Once again, with the AHL, not really sure what's going to happen right now. Get them playing time. Get them out there on the ice. Keep them skating. Uh, you know, we talked to Jake Neighbors about that, and you know, he wasn't able to play uh, for the last couple of months, really. And his development is going to suffer a little bit. 
I don't want that to happen for these guys that had part of a season lost last year. And if they miss any more time, it may put them and set them back a couple more years. Once the AHL season starts and gets finalized, I think you see both those guys make it over to Providence. Mm-hmm. But until then, get them out there, get them skinning against adults, and, and just continue to build their confidence. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, you know, one thing I did find interesting, though, is that neighbors will be in training camp this year with the Blues. I don't think he's a candidate for the taxi squad so much. I mean, because you want him getting playing time yeah. somewhere, you know, and I think there there's still hope that there will be, uh, you know, Canadian juniors going this year. So that that's something to consider as well. Um, another guy that I noticed that, that 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 was on the training camp roster that I think is is a candidate to be on the taxi squad, Joel Hofer. Yeah. Uh, Hofer is one of the four goalies that they are bringing up along with uh, John Gillies and, of course, Bennington and Huso. And I've seen it advocated elsewhere, and I, I kind of agree with this. Um, Joel Hofer being the taxi squad goalie with the Blues this season, and the, the the idea behind that, you know, you're not going to have Hofer starting like big games or anything like that. But as part of the taxi squad, you have a chance to train with the team, practice with the team, um, really do everything else, you know, besides play games with the team. Um, you're going to be in, you know, you're going to be traveling with the team because you know the the it, with the taxi squad rules, teams will need to carry a third goalie you know, to be ready to go if there is, you know, an injury and it, they don't, they don't want another David Ayer situation this year because with COVID that's going to be kind of a dicey situation. So I say, why not let Joe Hofer be the third, you know, taxi squad goalie this year? What do you think? Well, well rewind our show a couple of uh, weeks back and I'm pretty, pretty yep. sure I'm the one who, who brought it up and said, Joe Hofer was going to be on the taxi squad this credit year. Where, so. Credit where credit's due. Uh, it, it's it made too much sense. Uh, you know, you, you've got guys that are in the minors like a Fitzpatrick that probably aren't going to make it up here uh, anytime soon. And, and Hofer has been a rising star. Um, I don't think they, not that they don't trust a guy like Gillies, but he's still an unknown commodity in a sense. Yeah. So if you're going to get a guy that's needing to get some NHL experience, whether he's playing in games or not, it's going to be Hofer. I, I mean, Gillies has, has NHL experience. If there is an AHL season, you let him go play over there. And, and you yeah. know, if there is an AHL season, maybe Hofer is the guy that goes to play over in Providence and is the lead goaltender. Springfield. Or Springfield. I don't know why. Why do I keep saying Providence? Because Bennington played there for you. That's ago. right. That's right. I'm just, uh, maybe I'm comparing Hofer and Bennington. That's, that's Could be. Be. Ooh. Foreshadowing. If you if if, they, if Hofer wins a cup here in the next couple of years, you heard it here first on Blue Notes. Well, <laughs> if he's going to follow the Bennington path, it'd be like 2027 before that Ooh. happens. So, uh, yeah, let's not do that. Let's Damning with faint praise, <laughs> but uh, I, I I think it's it's the most logical s- solution. Um, if there's no AHL season, if there is, and I think Tim just chimed in and if if he gets regular playing time in the AHL, put him there, put him there in Springfield, let him get the playing time, let him continue to grow. But if there is no AHL season or it's some sort of you know contracted season. Get him in and get him in with the NHL team. Get him used to being around the guys, being get him used to being a part of an NHL team, and let's see where we go from there. So it still comes down to what the AHL decides to do. And the big question for me is if you name a guy to attack it to the taxi squad at, at the start of the season and the AHL doesn't figure things out for another couple of weeks, are you able to make make that move to move him to the AHL team and put another goalie on the taxi squad? I, 
I think they I think you can, but I, I haven't actually seen that really talked about very much. That that that's a good point. But if he's still allowed to go to the AHL, you know, even if he's a taxi squad guy, um, you know, I think if the AHL gets going, you send Hofer down and get it, let him have the starting minutes down there in, in, in Springfield, and then you, you have Gillies on the taxi squad. I think that's fine. Gillies he's twenty six years old. It's not like he's gonna develop into a superstar. Although then again, Bennington, I mean, you could just you just brought that example up. So you never know. You never know. Um, Tim also advocates bringing in a vet like Jimmy Howard. Howard was bad. He was really, 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 really bad for Detroit. I mean, I, granted, Detroit themselves were really bad, but he was bad. And I, I think I think it's kind of telling that we're in a situation where teams will have an opportunity to have three goaltenders on their regular roster this year one on the taxi squad and we're in training camp is starting today as we are recording this and howard's still unsigned i think there's a reason for that after manny legacy and chris osgood who had decent careers here in st louis i don't want another former detroit goaltender in our system for a while (laughs) exactly exactly but you know joel hofer of course he uh uh, he got put on the map from the uh, World Juniors, and as Tim notes, winning makes you good. And you know, Joe Hofer, you know, made, was made to look really good for Team Canada in the World Juniors. Which, by the way, the World Juniors are still happening as as we speak. Uh, we are heading into the semifinals of that. If you're behind, uh, go to uh, stlfanreport.com. Guy has been writing up, um, you know, the uh, l- uh, latest action from the World Juniors uh, just about every day. So uh, check that out. Uh, in case you haven't been following them at all, Team USA still alive. They will play in the semis Monday against Finland. Uh, Finland finished second in Group A behind Canada, and they beat a finally full-strength Germany in the first round. Uh, Germany got just shellacked by Canada um, in the uh, preliminary round, but they only had 14 players because of COVID reasons. Once they got their full roster, you know they 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 were good enough to make it into the playoffs. By the way, Tim Stutzla, we talked a little bit about him, Wags, before uh, we started recording. He is going to be really freaking good for Ottawa. They got them. I, I think it was a third overall pick. That's still a steal in my eyes. He, oh. looked, he looked like a number one overall guy. He, he essentially carried that German team. I mean, he was busting his ass in that can in that Canada game down yeah. that much. And he was still going out there, giving his all. That's what you want in a young player. And for me personally, the fact that he's a German player, that just makes me even more excited. And I cannot wait because, you know, we don't get a very, you don't get a lot of German players in the NHL. And then you don't get a lot of good German players in the NHL. And he could be great. And that's, that's going to put German hockey on the map. You get some Germans every now and then, like Marco Sturm was a really yeah. good player from Germany for a while. Uh, wasn't Martin Hansel from there? I I, I, I don't know. They, they, Germans have sent a few players to the NHL, but you're right. They're not like a big, you know, production country like a Russia is or like a Finland is or like a Sweden is. Um, anyway, I digress. Back to the U.S. They finished the top Group B. They were they were uh, they won Group B one point above Russia. Um, who will be facing the Canadians in their ridiculous 33 to four goal differential tomorrow? You just started laughing, Wags. What's what's going on? Because we missed the uh, probably the absolute best German player uh, that's playing right now. Drysital. Yep, that guy. Yeah, uh, you know yeah, that guy. Yeah, the 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 Hart Trophy winner. Yeah, we yeah. 
We're professionals, we're, people. We're professionals. We, we are in preseason form, guys. We are definitely in preseason form. We have not hit our midseason stride yet. What what is hockey? What what is what is this game? You kick the ball through the upright, right? Um no. Oh. I don't I don't think so. Uh there, there there's something I mean you there's something about ice and, and you get these sticks. I mean, like they literally call them sticks. You know what I mean? So you're got these like Canadians playing with twigs. It's it's weird. Um anyway. If the U.S. gets by Finland, and that's no easy task, a date with Canada surely awaits. And, well, good luck with that because Canada looks unstoppable this year. Yeah, but I'll, I'll say this. What the U.S. did after that game against Russia, a game that they actually probably could have won, they probably should have won that game against Russia. They went out there and they put up about 12 or 13 straight periods of scoreless hockey against. And, and they did that against some pretty good teams, the Czechs and, and, and Sweden. And then they played Slovakia pretty well. I think they beat Slovakia. I think it was Slovakia yeah. and Sweden that they beat. And then they beat Slovakia again. But they, they've put together a heck of a run in this World Juniors. And I'm not going to sit there and say they can beat Canada outright. But they might be able to do just enough to spoil the World Juniors for Canada this year. Yeah, they, 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 they could. I mean, it, weirder things have happened. You know, I mean, 1980. I mean, there we go. Talk about talk about weird things that happened. Um, yep, uh, Stusla, nineteen uh, first round draft pick in uh, twenty nineteen. No, 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 That's nineteen first round draft picks for Canada. Yes, yes, unreal, absolutely unreal. Um, other notes that are blue, uh, just from around the league. Uh, Dylan Strome signs a two year, three million dollar extension in Chicago. Uh, defenseman Travis Hamonic signs a PTO with Vancouver. And, oh, by the way, uh, the NHL has announced that there will be two games played outdoors on Lake Tahoe in 2021. It's going to be Boston versus Philly, Vegas versus Colorado. This is going to be a nice treat, especially since we're not getting our Winter Classic in Minnesota this year. Oh, most definitely. And Chicago's not a part of it, so that's a double win right there. Woo! Finally, finally breaking breaking the Chicago curse. I I'm really curious how that how that works out. I mean, because I mean, this is this will be the first time of all these outdoor games that you're actually going to be physically playing on top of a liquid lake. So you know, I I hope Lake Tahoe gets cold enough to where there's no issues. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, there's got to be a contingency plan in place because I mean, that's a lot of risk. I'll be I'm, perfectly honest, lots of risk. Yeah, I don't know if the Vegas Knightley guys are looking forward to seeing like Petrangelo wind up for a slap shot and then he falls through the ice. That would be bad. That would be bad. And oh, yeah, yeah. Not we're not wishing that, by the way. But I'm just saying that's you're talking about nightmare scenarios. There you go. But I think I'm sure I'm sure it'll be fine. I'm sure it'll be fine, and nothing wrong will happen because we that's 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 2020 crap right there. This is 2021. It's going to be better, guys. It's going to be better, much uh, better. All righty. And uh, one thing that we are carrying over from 2020 is our Aloha commentaries from Guy the Hawaii Blues fan. He takes us down to the beach once again and uh, talks about a few different issues. And, of course, he will bring us a little bit of his conversation with Darren Pang. That is next after we highlight another one of our Hockey Podcast Network shows. I'm Corey Grantra. I'm Richie Suave Flores. And this is Sporty with Corey and Richie Suave. On the Hockey Podcast Network. What did I just listen to? Oh, this game. This game is, this game is just bullshit now. Oh, my gosh. I actually, they actually made me feel uncomfortable. What was it? Panty what? The game has gone to bullshit. 
Panty melted? Why do we record these during the middle of games? Oh, God. Be sure to listen to Corey and I every Monday. We are your go-to source for the Arizona Coyotes on the Hockey Podcast Network. And now, without further ado, Tom Calhoun, introduce us to our Aloha commentary. And now, from Honolulu, Hawaii, via St. Louis, starting in the Pacific Ocean, Guy, the Hawaii Blues fan. Aloha, Blue Notes podcast. I'm Guy, the Hawaii Blues fan, founder of the St. Louis Fan Report, and I'm also the host of the only hockey variety show out there, the Blue Note Fan Report, and this is my Aloha commentary. You know, man, I don't know. I, I had all these thoughts in my head, and... and I don't know, something just doesn't feel right. And I'm thinking about it, and I don't know, maybe, wow, this is much better. You know you absolutely love this red, 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 reverse retro, Tom. This is my Christmas birthday present from my kids. It's my Bennington jersey. And ain't it sweet? So today, training camp starts. That's right, training camp. The Blues are all um, at Centrine. They're getting their physicals. And, man, that's just that's cool. It's good. It's neat. It's, it's, it's what we've been waiting for. On Monday, they will be um, having actual practices. They're going to practice Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Uh, two practices a day and split up into groups and things like that. And then they're going to be um, at Enterprise Center. They're going to have Thursday off. It's just, you know, we're getting there. We're within 10 days of our Blues playing. And I know a lot of people are upset that the first game is a 9.30 start, but you got to understand this is on NBC and we're the furthest West team. That makes sense. I get it. You know, it's, it's going to happen, folks. We'll do what you got to do, you know. Tape them if you can't stay up. That's, that's kind of how I look at it. First one is Vladimir Tarasenko. He did an extensive question and answer type interview with a Russian newspaper. And he was asked two questions about Ryan O'Reilly getting the captaincy. And he kind of said that he was disappointed that he didn't get it because he'd been there so long. Well, first of all, I I got two thoughts on that. Um, First of all, translation issues. There there might be some translation that make this sound worse than it is. And second of all, okay, so what? Go out there and earn it. You're injured. You know, if you're disappointed, you're disappointed. I get it. Don't tear up the locker room, and we'll be just fine. The other thing that happened is now we have Trevor Hoffman in camp. And uh, JR did an interview. uh, Jeremy Rutherford did an interview with Craig Berube and asked him about how Hoffman was who Hoffman was going to play with and how he was going to fit in. He's obviously going to be a power play guy. They really didn't say what his lines were. Um, And and everybody's been worried about, you know, how is he going to fit in? Well, I had this amazing, amazing experience on December 30th. First, I turned 52 years old, which I don't know how I made it 52 years. And second, Blues color analyst Darren Pang joined me on the Blue Note Fan Report. That's right. I got Panger. Well, we had a a, a pretty good conversation. Let's take a listen couple different thought processes a lot of people think Krug should be with uh Pareko 
and that Scandella should be with Falk. Now, I kind of think that your the skill level between your first and second line might be a little too great, that you would switch Krug and Scandella, put Scandella with Pareko and Falk with or Falk with Krug. What do you – What I mean, do you think well, that's Well, that's interesting crazy, that you or? say that. No, and, and Tori Krug and, and, uh, and Justin Falk have played in world championships together as well. So they, there's a familiarity with them, both the American-born players, so growing up and – and playing in international events together. So, um, no, I think, I think, uh, what you've said is, is, uh, is going to happen. I mean, you saw my book, it changes, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, I think if you have a heavy matchup game, this is, th- these are my thoughts. You have a heavy, big, heavy game. You're playing Vegas or you're playing Colorado as an example. And you know, you want that matchup. You want that. We're on the road. We need to get our deep pairs on the fly, on the ice against McKinnon. I think those games are where you'll see Mike Van Ryan, who runs the D for the Blues, and does a great job. I think that then you'll see a Scandella and Preco tandem. And, and that way, you know, that's your, that's your hard matchup. Um, there's going to be certain games um, playing in the West where, you know, there's not going to be a need for a hard matchup, especially when you're on the road. So you might want to balance it out. And maybe that's where you get Pareko and, and Tory Krug, Scandella, and Falk, and then you get Bortuzzo and and Dunn or or Gunnarsson or Nico Mikola. Um, so you know a lot goes into this the, the, the this thought process. Like I was talking to Robert Bortuzzo yesterday about it. Uh, you know when we play against a team that's got a, a hard right hand shot that plays the offside, like an Alex Ovechkin or Nate McKinnon. Um, Robert Bortuzzo plays those games because on the penalty kill, that's where they. That's where they line up, and he's a right D, and he's a great shot blocker, and he's courageous as all get up. So yeah. that's where he, you know, that's where in certain games, like he's vital. He's the, maybe the most important player on the ice for the Blues that you that no one talks about in yeah. those games. So anyway, so that's that's what will happen. But I, I think you'll see a number of different variations here, and and again, not knowing where Vince Dunn's future is, is it here with the Blues? Is it somewhere else? Who knows with that? And will we see more Nico Mikola? You know, he's a big, lanky guy that's a good penalty killer as well. So um, I think there's some good challenges for the coaches here as they get set up. You know, I I think Panger's right. His defense might be a lot better than we think it is. Just like Krugs. What they played in, the system that they played in, led them to be the player that they are. Now they're in different systems, and if they've got that, if they're hockey players, they're going to get there. Now, the last thing that I want to talk about before I skedaddle along is, first, I want to wish everybody a happy, happy new year, and I want to talk a little bit about Justin Falk. Justin Falk, this is where he needs to be Justin Falk. He needs to be the power play defenseman that we all know he can be. He needs to get out there and work, work with uh, Krug. I think that they're going to have a really good pairing together. Um, Panger told me that they had been, they had played together on the national team, that they're both U.S. born players. And, you know, I'm kind of looking forward to it. I think Falk was showing that he knew how the system worked in the playoffs and was just getting it done. Well, I didn't want to talk too long because I think the biggest thing is Panger. So please do me a favor, check out the St. Louis Fan Report, 
check out my writing. Um, been doing a lot of articles. I know Tom is writing for uh, The Last Word on Sports. Check Tom's articles out. They're all really good. I enjoy them. And I guess the most important thing to say is Aloha! This is Guy, the Hawaii Blues fan, fan Tom and Wags. Take it away. And I can't wait to see you on the next Blue Note Fan Report and Aloha Commentary on the Blue Notes Podcast. Aloha! And thank you, Guy, for that uh, great report. And, you know, he kind of brings up an interesting point, you know, with, with we didn't really talk about Falk too much among the guys that uh, on the Blues even need to step up. I've been kind of wondering if they put Krug and Falk together because they've had chemistry in the past. What would a Dunn-Pareko partnership look like? I mean, because you have the pure offensive guy in Dunn, and Pareko definitely leans on the more defensive side. But maybe having Dunn brings out Pareko's offensive ability a little bit. It's very possible. I mean, we've seen what Pareko can do with that slap shot of his. We saw what he did Dallas and Ben Bishop in the playoffs. We know it's there. We just need somebody to unlock that for him. I mean, hell, we saw it a couple years ago in that game against, uh, I think it was the Islanders. We had the wraparound goal to, to win that game. I mean, he's got offensive potential. It's just... I don't know if he's learned too much from Alex Petrangelo or not, but he does need somebody to help unlock that potential. But if you do pair him with a Vince Dunn, doesn't that maybe put him more into the defensive mindset anyway, because Dunn isn't a guy that necessarily gets back on defense. So that's true. It, it could go one of two ways. Either it brings out a bunch of offensive potential or he gets even further in his shell. And I think we need it to go the opposite direction. We need more offense from him, not less. Yeah, there's definitely there, there, there's some good storylines this year with the Blues, and I think Vince Dunn's probably going to be right up there in terms of players that I'm specifically watching for this year. And then the other point I'll make about Guy's Aloha commentary is that this is a real reverse retro jersey. This is quality here. The Whale, the Hartford Whalers, Brass Bonanza. Okay? Yeah, a team that not, doesn't exist anymore. Uh -huh. not, that, yep. not, not that red garbage. Team, team that doesn't exist anymore, right? Well, we, we, we got Pronger off of them before uh, they folded. So, and, and this is a Pronger jersey here. So, um, there we go. There we go. Uh, Luke would like to see Dunn and Bortuzzo. Lots of cover for Dunn to jump up. That could be a possibility that's, uh, as well. And by the way, Luke, glad you could join us because this segment, uh, you have some involvement in here. And yes, because we are going to try to figure out who in the heck is going to win the West. And we have a graphic going right here for you here. Um, Guy predicts uh, Colorado, St. Louis, Vegas, Arizona as the top four. So does Luke Whitman. Um, and then from there, it gets a little mixed. Uh, Guy has Minnesota uh, finishing in fifth, Anaheim in sixth. Uh, and then the Kings and Sharks seventh and eighth. Uh, Luke Whitman has uh, Anaheim finishing fifth, which... It's probably out of the California teams the most likely. Um, and then you have Minnesota, the Sharks, and the LA Kings. So let's go ahead and start off, Wags, with the uh, winner of the Western Division. Who do you got? 
Uh, the winner for me, and I'm going right along there with Guy and Luke, I think it's going to be Colorado. That doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be the one that comes out of that as the Stanley Cup prediction, but I think Colorado will be the team that gets the number one spot in the Western Division this year. All right, so you're going with Colorado. I, too, am going with Colorado to win the West. I think uh, their young defensive core is getting better. They have Bowen Byram. You know, who is not even, I don't think he's expected to be on the team this year, but I've watched him a little bit in World Juniors. That kid's going to be good. And yeah, they're just, they're, they're ludicrous amount of talent on this, on this Colorado team. I think they're going to be the team to beat. Yeah, an embarrassment of riches that they have there, but it's still, the goaltending is still a question mark. Um, you know, you've got some potential there, but I don't know if, it's going to be enough to get them out of the playoffs into the Stanley Cup Finals. I think it's going to be enough to to win in a short season, but it may not get them to the Stanley Cup Finals. Yeah, that's definitely fair. Uh, number two, who do you have? See, and this is where we differ a little bit, and I'm going to go with Vegas. I, I think adding a guy like Petrangelo, yes, they've lost some guys. Yes, they're going to have to integrate guys into, into the lineup, including Petrangelo, but I think there's enough um, – experience there that they're going to have enough to get there. And, and hell, you've got Marc-Andre Fleury and Robin Leonard. You're not going to have goaltending issues. It's going to be scoring that they're going to have to worry about. And I think they're going to have enough to do that because I think the Blues are going to struggle a little bit when it comes to scoring this year, even with the addition of Mike Hoffman. So I think eventually Vegas will outscore the Blues enough to win a couple more games and put them into second place. I think it's going to be a dogfight between Vegas and the Blues to uh, round out the season for that number two spot. Um, I definitely think on paper Vegas might be the better team over, just in terms of pure talent. That, of course, you know, we don't know if they're still going to t- uh, trade Pacioretty. We don't know if they're going to trade Flurry. They could still make some moves here as, you know, the uh, the season approaches here. And, you know, because they're, they're in cap hell themselves because of the Petrangelo signing. Uh, they had to move out some players this offseason. They moved out Paul Stastny. They moved out Nate Schmidt to accommodate Petrangelo. And I think there's been some chemistry issues that you know that Vegas might have to overcome a little bit, just because you know half the team it feels like they've had to have their head on a swivel, you know, this offseason, you know, and you know avoid the phone if they can. Um, I have the Blues edging out Vegas, but I can definitely see this uh, going the other way for sure. Um, it's, it's, it's going to be a close race between those two teams. So, well, I mean, look at, uh, May 7th and 8th at this the last two games of the season. It's a back-to-back in Vegas against the golden Knights. That could be the difference between second and third place. And you have, um, in third place, of course, this means that you have the blues. Yep. That's correct. And, um, do you feel there's, um, I, I it looks like everyone's going to have, you know, generally the same top three, just, uh, rearranged a little bit. Um, because I have Vegas in, in third as well. Um, are you like me and, and and you think that maybe there might be a bit of a gap between the third and fourth place teams, whoever it ends up being? I mean, I'd like to think that there's going to be a gap. I, I really do think there's a clear delineation between those three teams and everybody else. Um, although we've talked in the past about how much Arizona scares us, and yes, they lost Taylor Hall, but they still got a pretty damn good team there. Um, I think that gap might be a little bit smaller than we're expecting it, but I do think there is some clear separation between those three teams and everybody else in this division. All right. Fourth place. So, so far we have um, me, uh, all four of us have the abs winning. Uh, Three of the four of us have the blues in second. Wags is the only uh, 
uh, the tractor, and then the then three of us have the Golden Knights in third. You have the Blues in third. So, all right, so we got the final five here. Now, one thing that we're different from than the uh, Vegas Nightly podcast, all four of their hosts picked Arizona to be dead last, Oof. which I think was a little bit of desert sniping going on there. I think they were honestly trolling them a little bit, but uh, but I think I, but a couple of them actually, you know, they legit I don't think had faith in Arizona to be fourth place. So, um, you have Arizona in fourth. Yes, that's correct, and and it's. You know, I, I say that they had a they have a good team, yes, without Taylor Hall. It, and it's not necessarily it's about Arizona being very, very good. It's more about the fact that the other four teams probably won't be that good. Yeah. I mean, as we get further and further, you'll understand why I put some teams where I put them. Uh, there's a lot of question marks with these final five teams. It just seems like Arizona has answers at the right spots. We're talking goaltending, we're talking defense, and we're talking top-line talent. So that is going to be enough in my mind to get them into that fourth spot. Although when we get to my fifth team, uh, I'll I'll say this. I think that the gap between fourth and fifth is going to be a lot closer than people expect. Like uh, Luke Whitman, for instance, who says, um, actually this one here, uh, he thinks there's a chasm between fourth and fifth, and I can definitely see that. Uh, he also points out that Vegas has a lot to figure out quickly in a short season. I agree, but I think they'll definitely finish ahead of my fourth place team, which is also Arizona. So the four of us have Arizona in fourth place. So a little bit more unity uh, on that front here. Um, now we get to the interesting part here. Maybe it's not so interesting because none of these teams are going to the playoffs. But um, I think that the – I'm with you, Wags. I think the challenge for fourth and fifth is going to be closer than people expect. I think there's two realistic teams that could make that challenge. Who do you have finishing on the outside looking in? I've got the Anaheim Ducks. Um, and the reason I went with that is that they've got goaltending. John Gibson is probably one of the best goalies that you don't know about. Uh, he, he's a guy that's going to be there at the goals against uh, – title at the end of the year every single year and and I know this is going to hurt a lot of Blues fans because he sucked here but Ryan Miller's had a good couple of years uh, as a journeyman goaltender he had a really good year last year with Anaheim uh, yes he's older obviously ancient he is ancient now I think he's in his 40s but yeah I still think he's going to be enough for a young team and he's able to spell Gibson when need be and I think it's going to be enough and you look at the talent that that Anaheim has and yes Ryan Getzloff getting old but you bring in Kevin Shattenkirk fresh off a of championship. You've got the leadership of David Backus, who, yeah, maybe he doesn't play a whole lot, but he's there in the locker room. There's a lot of leadership there. And then you got guys like uh, Ricard Raquel. Just a lot of youth there and a lot of opportunity and a lot of talent. And they kind of started to put, put it together a little bit last year. And I think this year they're going to start finding the right rhythm. And it may not be this year, but come next season – Watch out for Anaheim. They they might be one of the surprise teams in the Western Conference. Yeah, they're a team that has talent. I mean, that's undeniable. Um, I just think a lot of the talent's getting older. And, you know, I don't think they've, you know, really, they don't have like a really big prospect wave coming up. I mean, Gibson's a good goaltender. Uh, and they still have a pretty decent defensive core, which is why I have them as the best out of the California teams. And I think that's a pretty easy designation to make. I still think Minnesota uh, ends up as the fifth team this year. 
Um, yeah, their goaltending's a, a bit of a question mark, um, but they have a good defensive core. Um, they have Kaprizov, who I think who, who's who's going to light a fire in that offense that's been pretty boring the last few years. Um, I, I I don't think it's going to be so much that Minnesota rises to the occasion, as I think this could be a situation where you know they're this. I think five through eight is just going to be the best of the worst. You know, I, I think Arizona has talent as well. They have Ronta and Kemper, which is a which is a really solid goaltending uh, tandem. They have you know the likes of Clayton Keller, Dvorak, Connor Garland. Um, they just traded out Stepan, um, but they signed Derek Brassard in his spot, which is probably a pretty even swap. Um, they have talent. It's just a matter of that talent, you know, gelling. Minnesota, I don't, I don't think they're there quite yet, but I think they end up in fifth place. And just behind Arizona, I think I think there'll be a bit of a gulf between Vegas and Arizona and then Arizona and, and Minnesota and my fifth place team could end up being a pretty close race. Uh, uh, just the one question I have for you, though, is just go look at goaltending. Would you have rather have the combination of John Gibson and Ryan Miller or Andrew Hammond and Cam Talbot? You know, a few years ago, I would have said Talbot and Hammond. But it's not a few years ago. It's 2021. So you raise a valid concern. I think Gibson alone, you know, is the is, you know, probably propels Anaheim higher than that. But then again, as you as you noted, Ryan Miller, he's getting old. I mean, he's not old. He's not getting there. He is old. Um, I don't know how much you can rely on Ryan Miller anymore. I just don't. Fair enough. Fair enough. I just don't. All right. So number six, who do you got? Uh, I've got Minnesota. You got Minnesota uh, there. Okay. Yeah, I mean, like you, I, I think they have a decent team. Uh, but it, to your point, when you were talking about Anaheim, they, they've got a lot of guys that are old on Minnesota as well. You're talking about Parise and you're talking about Suter. Uh, those guys are getting older. And they, yes, they've got some, they got a lot of ridiculous potential talent wise. And, and you're, you're not even talking about Rossi, who is great. And they just named Jared Spurgeon captain. Yep. Uh, so they, they've got a little bit of a new identity. You still got Matt Dumba on there, but that's that's going to be the question for me is, are they going to keep Matt Dumba? Because last year there were a lot of rumors going around that Matt Dumba was going to be on his way out of Minnesota. And now the fact that Spurgeon's been named captain, if Dumba isn't around, you're getting rid of a middle-aged, not middle-aged, a, 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 a prime-aged defensive talent. And... Yeah, you may get something back for him, but is it going to be enough? And then, you know, you got Brodine as your other kind of prime defender to go along with Spurgeon. But outside of that, you don't have much. I mean, you've got Brad Hunt as one of your journeymen defensemen. Former St. Louis Blue Brad Hunt, by the way. Yeah, and, and you know, a power play specialist, apparently. But I, I just, if they get rid of Dumba, I think that's going to be a huge, huge blow to that team. And maybe it helps them offensively, but... I don't know if they need help offensively. I think they need help defensively and in the goaltending spot. So that's going to be my big thing. And I think that's why I've got them down at that, at that sixth level is the Dumba question is going to linger over them. And if he gets moved, I think it hurts them. Yeah. And and if it, 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 the key for the wild is going to be how they start off this year, uh, because if they have a slow start, you know, and they start off, you know, down here, like in the seventh or eighth spot over here, you know, maybe then you start thinking about trading Dumba and, you know, getting some more assets for him and maybe some other players that you have, um, you know, and then maybe they end up as one of the bottom two teams. I think there's a strong possibility that the Wild could disappoint, you know, because that's what they've done the past few years is disappoint and strive for mediocrity. So uh, 
they'll be an interesting team to follow this year. I think they have the talent to be the fifth. Whether they end up there is anyone's guess. Anaheim, I have in in uh, sixth place. I think um, you know Gibson gives them a chance night in and night out. Um, Ryan Miller is Ryan Miller. Um, for the longest time, I couldn't even say his name because of what he did in St. Louis or lack thereof. He was the goalie who shall not be named, and uh, he should still be, honestly. Um, but Anaheim's got some talent, and I, I think they'll be the best out of the California teams. They could challenge Minnesota, potentially Arizona. I think these will be the three teams that are gunning for that fourth spot as the uh, season uh, winds down. Um, and Luke would been expecting Bill Guerin to have a scrap sale out here for another year, so I can definitely... Bill Guerin's still a part of the team. <laughs> yeah, he still is. For, for now. For, for now. Uh, uh, that's that's a whole ball of wax that we're not going to get into here. Um, all right, so the Dregs. We have the Kings and the Sharks. We both seem to be in agreement that these will be the last two teams, along with Guy and Luke. Who do we have in 7th and 8th? Uh, I've got the Sharks in 7th and the Kings in 8th. Uh, and the main reason I've got the Sharks ahead of the Kings is just because I expect a bounce back year from guys like Eric Carlson and Brent Burns. Uh, and the fact that, you know, you've got a guy like Devin Dubnik, who's going to be backing up potentially Martin Jones. I mean, I don't know if you saw it, but the, the Sharks the other day, they tweeted out uh video from their, uh, their, I guess their first practice, or their first scrimmage or what have you. And really all it was, was Martin Jones letting in goals. Uh, and if that's not going to be the microcosm of the San Jose shark season, I don't know what is, but I think they've still got enough offensive firepower to win enough games to be a little bit ahead of LA in a sense. Uh, I mean, cause you're still looking at that team. They still got Couture. They still got hurdle. They still got a couple of guys like Carlson and Burns out there. I still think they have enough, but the primary guys are getting old and eventually they're going to crack. And without Joe Thornton there, that I think that will to win or the will to drag themselves to a win is gone. Um, and, and they're getting ready to start a rebuild. Now, yeah, San Jose, I, I got them in seventh as well. Um, I think it, it, a lot of that's a lot of where they end up, I think, is going to depend on, you know, I think it's going to be Devin Dubnik that's going to be a big, big part of their team going forward because I don't know if you can count on Martin Jones anymore. Uh, Dubnik's not a half bad goaltender. Um, I think. Um, going from Dubnik to Talbot in Minnesota is a downgrade. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens there. The Sharks still have some talent on that team. I mean, they still got Logan Couture. They still got a Vander Kane. They have, you know, a, a bunch of overpaid but still talented defensemen on their team, you know, like Vlasic and Burns and, you know, the the the, the walking corpse of Eric Carlson. I mean, you know, he's still, he's still on the team, and he'll play probably at least 20 games this year before he breaks again. Um, so I, they're a team that I think – might have what it takes to sneak into like that, you know, fifth, maybe sixth conversation. I don't see them overtaking Arizona. I think that that just it's a team that is just riddled with lice, and it's just they're 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 still going to be a ways away from really truly competing again. And speaking of the teams that are truly you know a long way away from competing again, the LA Kings. This team could be the worst team in hockey this year, and that's crazy. It is crazy because it just it, it doesn't seem like too long ago that they were lifting the cup. 
And now it's just Drew Doughty has even even Doughty's become a bad defenseman. I mean, the last couple of seasons, his play has really just gone downhill. Um, Quick is not getting any better. He's getting worse. I mean, they still have Kapitar, who's a really good center. But beyond that, I mean, they signed Andreas Tatanaseu, who was so awesome for Edmonton. They non-tendered him. <laughs> so it's just like I mean I don't see any hope for the Kings this year at all. I mean this is I I can see it a little bit with the Sharks. I just the Kings they are they're going to be the 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 where's the crown king nothing you know like the old Metallica song that's that's going to be them the King nothings this Pretty year. Much. And I'll I'll say this the, the main reason that I have LA down in the eighth spot and. This kind of just entered my mind over the last couple of days. You know, we, we lose Alex Steen to retirement, and that's a huge loss. You know who would be a perfect fit for that bottom six role that would might get fans excited and mm-hmm. also might provide a lot of, um, I guess, leadership down there? I've wanted Anze Kopitar for a very long time. <laughs> And if you could replace Alex Steen, and this is, and I'll say this, this is barring Tarasenko not coming back because you're going to obviously need to use some of that money to bring in a guy like Kopitar. But if the Blues are able to swing a deal and bring in an Anze Kopitar to play bottom six minutes for a team that's fighting for a Stanley Cup championship, I would be totally down with that. You know, if, if, first of all, I think Kopitar is still a, a lot better than a bottom six guy. I mean, oh, this yeah. is. This is a guy last year that uh, scored 21 goals and had 41 assists. So he was almost a point per game guy last year. He did that in 70 minutes. Um, if you're thinking, I'm thinking of an Anze Kapitar. For one, they're going to have to eat like a lot of salary because he is one of the definitely very highly paid. But you know, as a as a you know another, it, it, for some reason Thomas gets hurt, God forbid, or you would just want to make like a playoff push. I mean. Trade for Kapitar, put him in the top six, maybe as your second center behind O'Reilly. And yeah, that, that is a lethal offensive weapon you still have there. I, I think Kapitar, if he had a better supporting cast, would have more than 21 goals and 41 assists in a season. He would be, you know, right up there with maybe like a 30-50 guy. I mean, he's still a very talented guy. He just has absolute crap around him. Um, I wouldn't be surprised, honestly, if he finds a way to force him, force his way out of L.A. Because he's too good of a player to be yeah. stuck in L.A. He, is one good. he does have a couple of cups, so it's not like he's like racing for a title. So he can kind of pick and choose where he'd want to go as well. And that might be, you know, you might get another Mike Hoffman situation where maybe he says, hey, look, I, I want to go to St. Louis, so find a way to make it work. Mm. And I mean, not, not saying that that's going to be the case or that's what's entered his mind in any way, shape or form, but you look at it and, and where else would he go? I mean, you're, you're looking at the teams that are in the Western division, you know, yeah, maybe a Colorado could make a push for him, but I don't think they're looking for top end offensive talent. Uh, Minnesota might be an option. Uh, you might, that, that might be the, 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 the Dumba move is maybe mm. sending Dumba to LA and getting an Anze Kopitar to further upgrade the offense, and then obviously LA gets a younger defenseman to replace a guy like Drew Doughty. Ooh, that might be breaking news if I if that comes to fruition. But <laughs> you know, Minnesota's another team that could possibly make a run at him, but they're not going to trade him to any of the California teams. And I don't think they're going to – they wouldn't trade him to any of the Central Division teams outside of the two that are playing in the Western Division. So I, between St. Louis and Minnesota, I would not be surprised if – Kopitar is a guy that gets moved to the deadline. 
So you say if Kopitar goes to Minnesota, it's the Dumba move, but would it be a dumb move? Uh, no, I don't think it would be a dumb move at okay. all. Um, okay. <laughs> I, it's it's not a dumb bow move. I'll, I'll put it that no. way. Oh, don't don't insult Jabo like that. <laughs> oh, oh, oh man, come on, he just retired. Damn, man, man putting words in my mouth. <laughs> yeah, make, making him skip heartbeats. That's not good for him. That's that, that's terrible, terrible. All right, as we're making terrible jokes here, uh, we're gonna start winding it down here on Blue Notes. Uh, we'll post this graphic on Twitter. Uh, and Instagram tomorrow. We want to know your thoughts about how the West Division will will sort out. I mean, not too controversial with us. I mean, I think we were pretty, all four of us were pretty close and how it'll end. Um, I'm curious to see how the Vegas guys react to us picking Arizona to go to the playoffs, all four of us, you know, after they picked Arizona to be last, all four of them. So I'm just kind of curious to see how, how they react to that, but we'll post that on Twitter sometime on Monday. And while we're talking about playoffs and you want a good fun trip down memory lane, I was tasked by last word on hockey to come up with the three unlikeliest blues playoff heroes in history. And believe it or not, Jordan Bennington is not one of them. So check out the article. We put it in the description below. If you're watching on YouTube, or on Facebook, or if you're listening to this podcast on Apple, Google, or Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast from, check the description. It will be in that description. So, Wags, any final thoughts? Uh, no, I'm just, I'm ready. I'm ready to do our season preview next week, potentially, and, and get ready for uh, Blues Hockey on January 13th. And yeah, Luke, I actually, I'm, I'm sorry that we think alike as well. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> But we do, we do, and and we you know honestly, we kind of look a little bit alike too. Hmm. Long lost brother, maybe. Maybe. Oh man, he's definitely more talented than me. I can tell you that. Oh, that that that's a storyline to follow here on only here on Blue Notes. <laughs> wow, sibling relations. Um. All righty. Well, that is going to do it for this episode of Blue Notes. We're going to put this episode to bed as well. I want to thank you for listening and watching because without you, there is no me. There is no Wags. There is no Hawaii Blues fan. There's no Luke Whitman. And there is no Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Tom Franklin reminding you to not be a chump and always play to the whistle. A reminder that you can follow Blue Notes on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Blue Notes Pod. I'm the voice of the blues, Tom Calhoun. Jeremy Boyer, play us out. listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.